0: Hello everyone. Welcome to Recast and I'm your host, Saurabh Sardana. World around us has changed and recasted in a way that is difficult to imagine. It has become more complex and for some, overwhelming. This podcast series is the result of my hunger to inspire individuals and companies to unlock growth value through the power of understanding societies and consumers. It's not the ideas, but those who make ideas work will stay ahead. So I will dig into the untold stories, and unfiltered content from people who have made these ideas work for them. Stay tuned. What is inside an insight? What does it take to discover an insight? Is insight discovery a creative or an analytical process? These are some questions which I've always grappled with. So to answer these questions today, I have a very interesting guest on my show who has traversed different roles within marketing industry. He's been a researcher, a planner, and a client servicing professional. Currently, he's a director at Learning Curve, which is a brand strategy consumer insight and a training consultancy. Please welcome Amit Kumar Srivastava. Amit, welcome to my show. Hi, Saraf. Thank you so much. So, Amit, why don't we begin this particular episode by talking a little bit more about your background and journey? Because I think the audience of this podcast will be very keen and interested in knowing where all you've been. Because I think being in an advertising firm, being in a market research agency and you know, playing the role of a planner, market researcher, also a client servicing professional sounds very exciting because you rarely find you know these kind of mixed profiles. So, why don't you just... You know, give us a bit of background and I think then we'll we'll sort of, you know, learn more from you as we go along.
1: So sort of uh, my professional journey sort of started three decades back when I got into a B school uh, with having absolutely no idea as to what I wanted to do in life. All I knew about my B school was that I'll get a job at the end of it and a reasonably lucrative job by Indian standards, right? That's all I knew. And then I came across a case study, which I still remember after so many years, It was a case study for a brand called Milkmaid that Nestle has. It's a condensed milk, uh, which was used to sort of, it was a backup milk for you if you wanted to make tea and you didn't have milk left in the home, right? What, What we do today with milk powder. And that case study showed how Nestle had repositioned it from becoming a whitener for tea and coffee to actually something you could use to make desserts. And... The reason why I still remember this case study is when I read that case study, I realized I had gone through that experience in my own home, right? I had grown up seeing Milkmaid being used as a tea whitener and then seeing these ads which said you could make all kinds of Indian sweets with it and my mom making it and me being very excited about it and the rapper having suddenly for the first time, it stuck me what marketing was all about, this whole thing about a very relatable example That had impacted me as an end user and the fact that it had actually made a significant business impact for the brand. So I think I sort of fell in love with my understanding of marketing at that stage, which was this combination of understanding the consumer mind and an idea which could impact so many people's behavior at scale, So subsequently, when I look back at my career, it has always been this pursuit of these two things, right? Which is understanding the human mind and understanding what role would ideas play in creating a business result with that understanding. So I began in advertising, as you mentioned, and my first eight years is what I call the exploration phase. When I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do, sometimes I would feel that working in real world did not feel like what it meant When you, you know, sort of read books and case studies, it it didn't seem like you were going in depth enough at times. So I explored and went on on to the market research side. It was great learning, but I felt it was too slow for my taste and I came back into advertising. And somewhere the first phase of my career took a turn for the better when I moved to what's called account planning which was after about eight years of, uh, you know, client servicing, media planning and market research experience. For the last 20 years thereafter, I have been in the space of strategic planning on brands. Uh, first half of it, uh, working for agencies, the second half independently as, you know, a, a consultant and a learning curve.
0: That's very exciting, uh, you know, Amit. I think, you know, you use the word love for marketing. So would you say love for marketing is equal to love for customers? Is it always true? Yeah, I, I would I would say fascination towards
1: understanding the human mind is what actually excites me as far as marketing is concerned. I've sometimes felt that I'm not as excited by the business results as much as by getting an interesting insight into the human mind. Because human mind is what, uh, you know, sort of got me attracted towards this field in the first place. Uh, you know, in my entire career, I have just spent one year being a marketing manager. And I realized I was missing out on the fun. And I came back into advertising where the focus is a lot more on understanding this fascinating thing called the human mind. Yeah, So my love for marketing is actually fascination for how humans are and how they think and how they
0: operate. So your fascination is for the irrationality that human beings bring along with them. (laughs) So I think think this is a very interesting point that you've mentioned because, uh, you know, the word insight, uh, and and I'll talk about that. And I think there's a reason why I'm talking about that, because I think in last like four months, you've also started this initiative, uh, which you've called as the Inside Insight, you know, where you train professionals. And you probably sort of, you know, take them in the world of insight. The word, I think, you know, I think was coined by a German psychologist and a theoretical linguist called Karl Bula. Right. Um, You know, and he was the the one who designed this term insight. But his work wasn't published in English till 1990. And hence, I think probably the world was devoid of understanding the history, you know, behind insight. But I think he came up with this term uh, more in reference, you know, to thinking. That, you know, how you think is, is what an insight is. And I think he said, uh, I think in his text, it is written that an insight is something that manifests itself suddenly, which means that it it's, it's, it's very close to actually something like magic. However, I think uh, I've been a practitioner in, in the insights business for now almost like 15 years. And I've seen, you know, sort of practitioners within the industry, having very different manifestations of this word insight. So, you know, what I think got posed to the world as a thinking theory or something which was more magical, you know, something which was very sudden. People started using that, uh, you know, to say, is insight the consumer truth, right? And I think all those kinds of terms, you know, sort of started coming along. Is insight something that, you know, amazes people? And I think in my own definition, I would say that, you know, insight is, is that real power to change or think differently, So I think there is no one definition. So I think when you take people inside and inside, what do you tell them and what do people see there?
1: So, you know, I've had a very interesting experience. Uh, Like I mentioned, it's been two decades since uh, I've been a planner and three in the industry of advertising, where you would imagine that there is clarity on what an insight at least means within the context of advertising and marketing and market research. For the better part of my initial planning experience, uh, the word was not very important. Uh, In fact, so so we had all these creative briefing formats where we would fill down, you know, and say, this is what we are going to do next on the brand. Quite a few of those formats and they were global formats did not have space for what's our insight. Yeah. Um, And at some stage, when I started to learn about it a bit more, uh, I realized exactly what you said—that no two people, even within the same team, agree on what it is that you call an insight. Which is, if you think about it, very problematic. It's like you know, if you have a team of professionals working on something where insight is meant to be a very critical element of your strategy going forward, and you don't mean the same thing when you use the word. It's it's like imagine a team performing surgery on a patient and they disagree on which one is the appendix, right? (laughs) I mean, you don't want that kind of consequence (laughs) with insight either. And in my experience of conducting workshops with clients, conducting training workshops, beginning with the question, what's your definition of an insight across boardrooms has led to a very fascinating learning. No one has the answer as to what their definition of an insight is. And in fact, my experience has been that a lot of them start talking about characteristics of insight rather than their definition of an insight.
0: That's very interesting. Explain that a bit more to our audience. What do you mean by characteristic of an insight versus a definition of an insight? That's very interesting. So, you know, what you said about magical, for instance, and there is this term that gets
1: used quite often when people talk about insights, which is that there is an aha experience when you discover it. Mm -hmm. Right. Uh, or something which results in amazing um, advertising, right? Or something which is not so obvious and deep. All of these are correct in terms of they're all true for insight, but it does not define an insight. And, you know, for the same reason that I said, you need to know which one is the appendix. If as a team across the marketing team, the research team and the ad agency or whatever, uh, you know, aspect of, Uh, branding is going to employ insights into their decision making there needs to be an alignment of which one is it right Uh, otherwise it might be sitting in front of you and you might not see it because you don't know which one is it sometimes um, you might actually be using something completely wrong and referring to it as an insight so it's The reason why I sort of underline this quite often is it's not merely academic. This is a critical framework for decision making. If you're all not aligned on which one it is, how are you really taking a call on what to do with it? Somebody put this really funny post on LinkedIn. He said there are top five reasons why people struggle with insights. The first reason is they don't know what it is. And the remaining four reasons are they don't know what it is and they don't know what it is and they don't know. There is no second reason, right? So this confusion on... What are we going to call insights is fairly and surprisingly relevant in the world of marketing, the world that I come from, you know, uh, across very, very respectable marketing organizations and advertising agencies.
0: So then wouldn't you say that, you know, then insight is nothing, but it is probably synonymous to ideation because no one knows, you know, what that idea could really look like. You know, it's it's something unknown. And hence, I think, you know, uh, like I've titled this episode, Unlocking the Unknown, is insight also or, you know, can insight be pogged, you know, within that space that, you know, it's unknown and you have to unlock it. And I think there is a process that you go through to unlock it.
1: Yeah. And the point you made about idea is very important. Quite a few people call the idea the insight. And the way I tend to explain it to people is think of it like the lock and the key. The idea is the solution the insight is the problem. So, to know whether you have a great idea, you need to know what insight it is addressing. right? and therefore I try and simplify it for my audience by uh, you know making them think about it from the lens of a negative and a positive. The ideas are positive, the insights are negative, negative. Uh, and uh, there is a much simpler term that marketing you know probably finds unfashionable to use. Insight is basically that. And many years ago, when I was reading Philip Kotler and reading my marketing, I read this. Insight is nothing but the need in the context of marketing. It's as simple as that, right? It is a need which is deeper and therefore not so obvious. And therefore, you don't get it easily. The idea is fulfilling that need. Yeah. Now, what makes the insight or the need not so easy to get is what I refer to as the fascinating human mind even we as you know and not just some consumers out there but you and me and people who are in this profession of insight as well are not so aware of what drives us and what our real needs are Uh, fundamentally that's what keeps us in the business of discovering them, right? Because it takes work. It's not as simple as turning up and asking a person saying, why do you do what you do? Uh, One of my most favorite lines about insight is, we don't know that we don't know why we do what we do. Wow.
0: (laughs) This is is very, very interesting. I think you've sort of summarized it really well. You've summarized it really well. So uh, would you say that, you know, insight is something that can be taught or... Uh, you know, you just have to discover and find your own approach. You know, to to be on that journey where you may or may not find insight. So I think when people come to you with these questions, that you know, can I be an insight practitioner, right? Uh, what do you tell them that? Hey, is it a journey with probably you know where where actually you know the destination is not very clear? You'll just have to be patient. You'll just have to you know sort of persist as you as you move along. And in that process, you know, you may come across. Uh, uh, you know, something that you called as the aha moment or the need, uh, you know, which, which, uh you know, is, is either felt or unfelt. And I think, you know, then organizations can sort of respond, you know, with ideas to fulfill that need.
1: There's definitely, uh and not just one, I'm sure there's more than one process through which you get to better insights uh, and you can learn that. And it's also a journey where you keep getting better as you do more of it. Um, and at the same time, it is also about you as an individual. You know, faced with the same set of information in front of you, different people will see different insights into them. Uh, that is where uh, you sort of uh, differentiate and, and you could call it from call it from the lens of talent or from the lens of perceptivity. I had a boss, uh, you know, and once we were discussing about getting a semiotics uh, workshop done for us. And he said, you know, you can't teach semiotics. Uh, what you see is a function of who you are. Right. And that I found was very interesting. So he, he disagreed with the whole training process. What I found in insights is that given the same training and the same process, different individuals within the same team are at different levels of depth of insight. Right. Right. Um, Pretty much similar to acting, if you think about it, right? There is an acting school, you can learn acting. And then there are Amitabh Bachchan's, and then there are people who... And like you said, some of them who are great stars did not necessarily learn acting formally, right? So a lot of this um, I've found to be true when it comes to insights as well. There are some incredibly gifted people who are extremely, quote-unquote, insightful without necessarily... Using a process, Uh, you know, it's just a function of who they are and what they've done with their lives, etc, etc. Here, I just wanted to add one more thing, which I've discovered over a period of time. Some of the greatest creative people that I've worked with uh, end up sneaking in an insight into their idea without necessarily being very consciously aware of it. Uh, so, So what I've seen is that they will come up with a great idea. They themselves don't know what the insight is. And the idea is amazing. As the person who's responsible for insight, I tell them, you know, what you've done is you've touched upon this insight and say, okay, that's interesting. I didn't necessarily go that route. But now that you say it, it makes a lot of sense. Uh, The biggest example, not that I had a personal conversation with, the biggest example of that to my mind is Javed Akhtar and the creation of Amitabh Bachchan as the angry young man in Bollywood. So he was giving an interview. so there's a lot of analysis on why that became so big as far as Indian cinema history is concerned. And Javed Akhtar was honest enough to say, I did not think like this while creating this character. I just thought it was something people would find interesting. And uh, you see what a large phenomenon it became. I think filmmakers are a great example of people who got to insights and ideas or backed the right ideas without necessarily having followed a process some of them had the knack to say this will work right and that is very true in marketing as well you you have some of the best marketing managers taking excellent gut calls on ideas uh, sometimes so so it's a bit of both to my mind there is process to it but there is also that thing you know that uh, that x factor or talent or whatever some people have the knack to pick up the right ones
0: that's great. So I think I just let me go back to, you know, what you said that, you know, I think insights is also about alignment, you know, alignment within a business. And I think because as, as an agency representative, you know, be it an advertising agency, be it a research agency, you know, you're always looking at your client's business from outside, right? And and no matter how much you try, you know, it's it's practically impossible, you know, to get everybody aligned, A, because you don't have full exposure you know, to their business. And, you know, you're just trying to help them from outside. So will you say that, you know, insights over a period of time have lost relevance, you know, within businesses uh, just because of this reason, because, you know, people don't fully appreciate, you know, business challenges because, you know, they are looking at that business from outside. Or do you think that's that's a strength um, that, that agencies can bring on table and sort of, you know, give a very third party view of, you know, what they feel and what they think? about their clients business problems
1: so you know clients differ um there are clients who i've worked with and have had a very fruitful engagement in terms of getting to insights and getting alignments and so there are clients who believe that it's also not just the marketing department's job but even the r d the sales guy everyone needs to understand what this brand is based on, therefore what the insight is, uh, versus a fewer clients. So I guess it's the nature of my business that those who do not believe too much in insights should not reach out to me. So my exposure tends to be to be, you know, with, with clients who are more excited about uh, bringing insights to solve their business issues. Uh, the fundamental, you know, so this is a question that I used to ask at an early stage with myself saying, what is it that I bring to table as an outsider? Clearly I'll never know about the client's business as well as they do, you know, in the in the limited period of project that I'm going to be engaged. And my then boss in advertising said, Your expertise is knowing people better, who is their target audience. And the fact that you know that person, which is your target audience, from cross category exposure. Uh what tends to happen sometimes with marketing teams and very good marketing teams is that their view of their consumer gets too uh, restricted by their category or brand lens. Um, whereas my endeavor when I'm talking to them is to say, see the full person your product is 0.01% of their existence you need to know the 100% for your strategy to be powerful so one of my uh, you know long term favorite clients which was into hair care uh, it's something i told them once saying you sometimes get so focused on the hair you forget there's a woman attached to it right <laughs> and to sell her to sell her a hair product you need to understand the woman Right. Uh, And um, I've been thankful enough uh, to find enough clients who buy into it can sometimes suspend their egos to say, "Okay, just because so far we were not thinking like this, we will reject it and go along with it. And, you know, thankfully, they've seen good enough results there. So um, my experience has been, however, uh, and I've often thought about why this happens is the B-school curriculum has not been very insight-friendly. Um, I ended up actually, so there is an institute in Ahmedabad called Mica. Uh, I ended up creating a program for them. And they would ask me which books to read. This is amazing stuff, but where do we go? And I said there is no book. <laughs> there is no textbook written. Uh, and if you think about it, there is no book which you know goes into human insights from marketing lens. Uh, so the MBA school, too. Uh, marketing and their approach to insight has been what curriculum has created, and therefore industry has perpetuated,
0: which I think is limiting. That's very insightful for me as well. Uh, <laughs> you know the way um, you know insights function. Uh, you know is is changing. Basically, you know uh, I'm I'm actually talking more from a Southeast Asian perspective. Um, you know if you if you work with a new age marketing company you would see typically uh, an insights role is either now dovetailed into a customer experience role uh, because i think everybody's you know sort of looking to integrate uh, and and you know sort of get aligned uh, and and hence i think you know uh uh what what ideo did you know they they also coined the term design thinking which sort of was a substitute to insight thinking and probably i think it 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 actually caught you know, the fancy and imagination of many marketing practitioners where, uh, you know, I think that, you know, just the very term design thinking communicated that, you know, it's a a very creative process. Um, You know, you can gamify the whole experience behind solving a problem. And hence, I think, you know, that kind of trajectory is growing. And I think I, I, at least, you know, from from where I look at, you know, the business market, I think a lot of, um, you know, marketeers, you know, now are asking for, you know, design thinking services rather than insight thinking services. Because I think in the name of insights, you know, the industry uh, more often than not ends up just giving data. So
1: if you see the ideal process, the design or any design thinking process now, it begins with consumer empathy and understanding. So it it is not really a replacement for insight. I think what the way I see design thinking as a, approach to creating brand experiences is for the longest part, the biggest relevance of insight was for advertising because advertising is what built brands over time. And, and especially if you see over the last two decades, especially the declining power of advertising has meant that you need to find other avenues through which to win with the consumer in saying, Hey, I fulfill your need better the need's not going anywhere. And therefore the whole role of a brand to fulfill the need continues to be too fundamental. It's just that if earlier 80% of communicating that I fulfill your need was being done by advertising, today a lot many other levers are having to pull their weight along, right? Right from the packaging design to what you do with the, you know, with with in-store or online, et cetera, et cetera. So it's gotten across the value chain of uh, delivery. And not getting so focused on and i think that's fundamentally what i when i also looked at design thinking i realized they were doing what smart brands always knew everything about the brand conveys something you know it, it used to be called 360 degrees at one time and it was mistakenly seen as create an advertising and then replicate it across all touch points right but fundamentally and which is why we started using the term brand experience in our conversation with client as well as every touch point is an opportunity to create value, make a statement about your brand and fulfill needs. So it's not a replacement for insight. It's a replacement for what you do with an insight.
0: I think Amit, you are, you are probably giving me the headline for this episode. Are you saying that design thinking is an old wine and new bottle concept?
1: No, I think it's a new wine because people who were that, shall we say, visionary about creating brand experiences were very few. I've been in the industry for three decades now, and uh, I would say less than 1%. Somewhere design thinking is democratizing the role of insight in shaping the overall brand experience as opposed to merely one or two aspects of it. Um, You know, like, again... um, Three decades ago, Kotler said, marketing is not a department. It's an outlook to business. Everybody in the organization is marketing from R&D to production to sales, you know, and not just the marketing department, which is responsible for some things that are called marketing. What is happening and which is what we realize with a lot of clients today is if you design a great product that fulfills a need very well, that is marketing. Some of the best brands around us, are not known for great campaigns, right? I mean, look at Amazon, look at Uber. They're not built by advertising. They're built by what they do for you. And that list, if anything, is growing more and more because of what technology is brought before.
0: That's very interesting because I think, you know, what you just said, that, you know, what Kotler said, you know, three decades ago that, you know, everybody's a marketeer. Possibly, I think the same thing is being said now in 2020 that everybody is an experience manager you know everybody has to deliver the same experience that you know sort of your your business your company you know stands by and i think that that sort of you know brings me to my next question whatever we've discussed about insight so far it looks like that it's a very internal process and because it's an internal process it is governed a lot by emotions and not that much by logic. Now, I think that's where the conflict is. Whenever Insight agencies hire researchers, you know they always look for the best analytical mind. You know they they always look for the best data scientist. Whereas I think you know in in Insight's business, what we have discussed so far that you know I think it's a very emotional process. You know you you just have to internalize a lot of things. You have to be a great observer, uh, and at times you know you have to behave like an artist to give uh, a very different perspective or, 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 you know, to actually see things, you know, with a very different lens. And I think that's where I, I sort of remember what what actually Aristotle said, you know, the ethos, pathos, and logos, right? Where, where I think logos is all about logic, pathos is all about uh, emotion. And I think that's where the word empathy really, really comes from. And I think ethos is all about, you know, the ethics of it. So are you saying that we've hired and i think we we've, we've sent the wrong message out in the industry that you know if you have to be in the insights business you have to be pretty good with data you have to be pretty good with your analytical skills because i think had we had we had advertised that you know we need the best creative minds you know who can understand consumer from a different lens probably i think the industry would be in a very different shape today than what it is
1: what you said reminds me of a client i met about five years ago and they were in the business, which was very tech enabled and app based, et cetera. And uh, their problem was that the frequency of usage of their brand was low. So I walk in and they expected me to recommend some research. I said, you know, we virtually know everything about our customer. Right. We've got like truckloads of information about him. Do you really think we need research? I said, answer just one question. Why is the frequency of usage of your brand low? If you know that from your data, then tell me, what would you do to change that frequency? And if you have an answer to both these questions, you don't need me, right? If you think about it, the whole business of understanding your consumer has two elements to it. One is what's happening now, which is where analytics is very interesting and useful. (laughs) Because it is analyzing data that exists. The more interesting part of insight for me is to answer what would create a change. All marketing campaigns at some level are about going into the future of saying I need to in some way change my consumer's behavior. That's why I'm spending money on campaigns, et cetera, et cetera. And that is when you start dealing with the unknown. Right. So a lot of Uh, information which is extremely useful but will only explain why and what and when things are happening currently will not necessarily tell you why somebody for example would stop buying car and start hiring an uber instead there is very little current data that will give you an answer to that and that's where insight starts coming in And that that to my mind is so I often try telling my clients that there are two whys. Why are people doing what they are doing today, which is really your barrier? And why will they do what you want them to do tomorrow is where the insight is. That's the fundamental difference between the two. So much of the insight business might be busy in analyzing and capturing what's going on rather than what would create a shift. And I do believe this is where, in my experience largely with market research, has also been a weakness. Research business was not paid really for strategy as much as for information. And therefore, their muscle for telling the client what to do next and their position on the table to actually be advisors on what to next got weakened. Uh, You know, so when things change fast, the value of the data on what's happening right now starts reducing to some extent. And the whole intervention of technology means clients are getting a lot of that data on their own. The business to be in is the one which tells you how could we make a change, right? Or how could we tap into a change which is not so evident to everybody else? I think that's the higher end value in, in Insights,
0: Right. And I think you also mentioned uh, earlier that I think you found market research to be very slow and hence you went back to, you know, advertising agency and then you sort of became a planner there. So explain it to the audience. What is the difference or the fundamental difference between being a planner and being a market researcher? You know, because I think a lot of people get confused and I think they see these two roles as overlapping. So just help us understand from your perspective, how is it different to be a planner versus a market researcher?
1: So, you know, as I mentioned, I went to research from advertising and uh, I initially loved the whole focus on the consumers and the fact that you had time to think about them and figure out how do you learn better about them, et cetera, et cetera. So the slow was one part of it. But honestly, when I reflected on what is it that made me return to advertising was among other things, one meeting where we were sitting with a client and the ad agency, this gentleman, uh, very well known in India, Santosh Desai, you would, you know, you would be familiar with, perhaps, he headed this agency called Mudra. And what I could see in that meeting was that while we were making the research presentation on the consumers, Santosh was bringing in a lot of anecdotal, personally relevant points of views to that same consumer. And somewhere I realized that. As researchers, we were constrained to not do that. To be objective and to be talking purely from a consumer lens and not bring in your personal lens into the picture is what research t- you know, sort of teaches you so that you are objective enough and you know what you're saying is impartial. Advertising, interestingly, taught me, we are all humans. <laughs> so the consumers, your wife, as David, will be famously said once, right? You should tap into your You know, what one of my bosses once said, the library of your life, as you look at inside. The difference I felt between the researcher and the planner at a very obvious level is a planner gets to participate in what to do with the data. The researcher brings the data to the table. And which is why I said that somewhere the researcher's muscle to develop what to do with it weakens or does not develop that well. Interestingly in my planning career the largest number of job applicants that i met would come from research because they would say it's somehow not very fulfilling to stop after giving the consumer learning to the you know to the client and not knowing what happened with what we had done so that's one fundamental difference but another one which we you know which i touched upon now which is you of course study consumers and you find various ways of understanding Uh, most importantly, why they do what they do and why they will do what you want them to do is where you can at some level uh, relate to it personally as well. I found this to be so important that now in all my training workshops, I keep telling clients saying, okay, you are a guy and we're talking about females and a housewife and her insights. Try getting into her shoes for a minute and see how this feels right? That's something which I feel a planner does a lot more, a lot often. And a researcher is actually trained not to do that. The researcher is trained to be an observer. In fact, as a planner, my task quite often with clients is to break that silo of saying, there are people out there and you are the people studying them. That's not how it works. You are humans, they are humans. What you're learning about this housewife is probably true about your wife. Finding that kind of a connect is something which I felt uh, has a lot of value, also, apart from the fact that it probably works better, is in the deeper conviction the brand team has on the insight. You know, when you see something on a PowerPoint slide out there as this is what consumers are saying, versus when you see your own sister in it, there's <laughs> a massive difference in terms of how you understand the insight. So for me, when I'm making a presentation on insight and something like this comes up from the my kids are exactly like this. I know they've got the insight, (laughs) you know, as opposed to saying, oh, people are like this. We are not aliens. We are human beings on the same planet sharing pretty much the same experiences. Right. There might be a social class difference sometimes, but truly powerful insights cut across. And that's where, you know, the whole uh, the other aspect that often comes in about storytelling, the most compelling argument to sell an insight is to make the client feel it and relate to it very much like my milkmaid example, right? Uh, I had seen my mom do something because of a campaign and I discovered much later it was a marketing case study, right? That changed (laughs) what course my career took because I could relate to it. The same applies to insights. So yeah, so I've seen the better planners always being able to relate to insight at that level and make Whoever is going to work on that insight, do the same. You know, if you're sitting with a creative and trying to tell them to create a campaign, you know, your insight has gotten communicated when they can see it in their own life.
0: Would it be right to say that, you know, like a planner experiences a consumer, whereas I think an insight professional, the way they have been trained or, you know, the way the industry is structured, I think at best, they are only able to observe and plus, I think, observe with a lot of caveats, you know, don't be biased, be neutral, you know, always sort of look at it from a neutral lens. Whereas I think a planner can still go in, you know, sort of keeping some preconceived notions because, you know, he or she has seen, you know, um, you know the family, you know, my mother, my sister, my brother sort of behaving in a particular way. And they sort of, you know, try to find patterns, you know, which are similar, you know, to what, you know, they've already experienced. So, would it be right to say that, a planner would have experienced would have a better opinion on a particular topic or a lifestyle aspect versus an inside professional who always would start from ground zero
1: there would certainly be greater empathy because of this in fact just before we got onto this call i was seeing uh, an interview that i had recorded with a person and i had tears in my eyes and this is an interview that i've seen already once so it's but that kind of an impact and feeling about a consumer is rare if you see, right? If you look at conventionally how marketing... So somewhere I was a bit surprised since I have done this for a long time now. What would move me so much about a consumer's life story to have tears at this stage of my career
0: is also what makes
1: it very fulfilling.
0: So I think because insights uh, is is uh, sort of a thinking pattern, it is how you train your mind. Uh, I think my last question to you is we've seen this world changed. You have seen it more than me, 30 years, right? I mean, you started in 1990 where probably I think we weren't even working on computers and then came in internet, then came in broadband and then you have, um, you know, social media, you know, that got exploded, you know, post 2004, 2005 Um, and then, you know, sort of came in the super app world and now we were sort of digitally connected and now I think as we all are living and, you know, sort of seeing you know probably a pandemic of a lifetime right so i think we we've, we've seen those shifts and i think um, you know all these have had uh, a lot of impact on how we live uh, how we behave how we buy how we communicate right which means that you know you know the consumers have gone through uh, you know their own journey uh, what is the role you think uh, an insight professional would play I think, in this journey, where have we come and, you know, where are we going and, you know, what kind of relevance, you know, insights would have. And the more interesting part in that question is, do you think that we'll have to become better storytellers as we go along? So that's my last question to you. And I think if we can have your inputs, I think that'll be great.
1: What we've not discussed, and I'd like to touch upon a bit on that, uh, which is very critical to answer the question you asked me, which is, At the heart of insight is something called culture. Uh, You know, if you look at us as humans, as different from animals, if you were to fill in the blanks, only humans do and dash, you can fill it up with so many things that animals don't do. And, you know, in my workshops, I like to talk about how nudity is such a big deal about humans, except humans, every other animal is always naked. Right. So, At the heart of insights is actually understanding this world we've created as humans, which we call culture and how so many unspoken or spoken norms govern how we live, think, breathe, what we consider right, what we consider wrong is fundamentally the foundation of all insights. Uh, what and the role of culture essentially is to define for us what is the kind of identity we are creating for ourselves. So we like to talk about the fact that all consumption, apart from all other actions, but coming specific to marketing, all consumption, purchase of categories, brands and services is fulfillment of some sort of an identity need. If you really dig deep enough and insight, you know, is fundamentally about understanding what that need is. What you notice today compared to earlier is the speed of change of culture. That's fundamentally what's happening. And change of culture always creates, it's it's almost like if you knew a rule which kept changing every day, you would be pretty dazed, right? You'd wake up and say, what's happening today, right? Uh, which wh- whatever was right yesterday is not right today. And it will make for a very confusing world, right? Right what's happening today is culture is changing very fast and one of the reasons for that is the authority on deciding what culture is right is fragmenting i'll give you a very simple example of a you know what we call a culture creating system think of a hollywood movie or a bollywood movie versus a tiktok video you notice how how democratized the power of creating a video content is for the sake of simplicity each of these content is a point of view on culture it's partly reflecting and partly shaping the culture as it happens so earlier you had like a select few people who would create cinema and who would create you know television sitcoms etc etc and could pretty much govern how the world thought and how it changed you know maybe religious leaders had a say etc etc What the onset of Internet, social media and all these platforms which allow everyone a platform to express themselves has caused a fragmentation of culture, which means at a simultaneous time point, you have now thousands of very conflicting views about what's right and what's wrong. Right. The challenge for marketers is when they go looking for an insight, there are two issues. Whatever you are saying, its absolute opposite is also right today. And the shelf life of that thought process is getting shorter and shorter. Earlier, we used to tell our clients that if you do a robust enough insight exercise, you are sorted for five years. Today, we are talking about cultural moments. That means a culture changes by the day. Like you know, there is a bunch of there is a bunch of culture that's been caused by COVID suddenly, and nobody saw it coming. And therefore. It, it raises a very fundamental question in terms of how we look at brands and marketing. Brands are responding to cultural moments, but in doing so, there is a risk that they are chasing just about anything which is happening at a given point in time. And therefore, the fundamental question saying, what do you stand for and how do you l- respond to these various cultural moments while being true to what you stand for has become a really so... In some senses, it's become a 24 by 7 perpetually online kind of a task. Uh, Now there are organizations which are into daily insights briefing and daily cultural reports, right? That is where one sees the world going in this. I have also come across a point of view, which is very interesting and somewhat led by, if you think, uh, you know, what design thinking says which is to say, look at strategy as a bit of a punt. It always was. There is no strategy which is 100% foolproof. But today with so much changing so fast, don't wait to get it absolutely right like we used to in the good old days. Work with working knowledge, put it out in the market and learn what's working and iterate as you go. Right, And you notice how especially uh, digital enabled it. You could release five ads and then see which one is working better and pretty much pull back, you know, as opposed to copy testing them to death. Uh, so I think increasingly, that's going to be the uh, role for an insight person, a planner, a researcher, which is to enable the clients to get to market quickly with a reasonably workable model and iterate as you go in terms of how things are working out. As opposed to the, Uh, you know, what we used to call a very robust, uh, in-depth, long-term strategy planning. Uh, I think that's going to increasingly, you know, die a very fast death.
0: So I think what I've heard is do it fast, be agile, you know, just take those learnings, see, be experimentative and see, you know, what works, what doesn't work. And I think in that process, you know, just, you know, keep building, you know, the knowledge for the new age consumer in next five to 10 years. Amit, I had a fantastic session. Thank you so much, you know, for for giving insights on insights. And I think I'm, I'm pretty sure that, you know, uh, what you have just explained, a lot of young researchers out there will be able to recast their thinking, uh, you know, reimagine, you know, how they have to approach, um, you know, their work. And and I'm sure that, you know, there are many out there who would sort of benefit from this discussion. So thank you for doing this again. Thank you. Thank you for having me, Saurabh. I had great fun. You've been listening to Recast with me, Saurabh Sardana. If you like what you heard, subscribe to our show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen. Don't forget to leave a review and rating on your favorite episode. We will be back with a brand new episode in next two weeks. Also, if you want to chat with me, connect with me on LinkedIn or Twitter.